Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, June the 13th. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss the latest in medical marijuana news, a lawsuit challenging ballot issue one, and other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Commission this week officially awarded cultivation permits to the five companies that had finished at the top of the commission's initial grading of the applications. Then later in the week, yesterday, the commission moved toward hiring an outside consultant to score dispensary applications. Well, I think they decided that they needed to move ahead, that despite all the problems and the scoring of the cultivation permits, that starting over would have been an unacceptable pushback in time. Of course, they did something I just discovered this morning, a little quirk, where they said, well, we're going to keep all the applications active, so if somebody drops out or something, we'll have these available and we can move somebody up. Well, what that does is anybody, the Supreme Court overturned a lower court decision on cultivation permits because they were not final and because nobody had gotten a denial letter yet. One of this rule they adopted yesterday, there'll be no denial letters. There'll be nothing to appeal for two years. So they've kind of cut off the legs of anybody that wanted to appeal their denial to circuit court. Now, they seem to left open the possibility that if somebody wants to make some complaints about specific winners, there'll be investigations and perhaps something could be revoked and then other people might have a chance to get a permit. But you have to make the complaint to the commission? But you have to make a complaint to them about somebody else. Uh, so that, that'll that happen. And, I, I mean, there, there's going to be more hassle, but it, it is perhaps so that pretty soon the, the cultivators who were approved are going to begin the process of getting buildings ready and planting seeds and growing marijuana. And meanwhile, uh, the review of the dispensary permits will continue with apparently some outside advice, at least, if not decision decision making, a, a second set of eyes that's not on the commission. I was a little disappointed to see some of the most problematic commissioners yesterday defending without exception everything that's been done at a minimum it's been sloppy at a minimum they're commissioners who have direct business relationships with people whose papers they graded uh there's been one allegation of bribery there were overlooked requirements in the course of the grading it was a first-time effort by people in a position for the first time it was just kind of a mess and so you know i, I don't think anybody has any reason to feel particularly confident in the process, and and yesterday's meeting certainly didn't advance it any, particularly now that we know that they've cut off the legs of appeals by all the losers who are not very happy already. So, But maybe sometime in 2019 there will be medical marijuana available for purchase by the, what, 5,000 people have gotten approval? So uh, I imagine that the, the cultivation winners have started with all due haste. Well, some of them already had acquired buildings, uh, I think, or had rented them and had land. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of each one's each one's approach. Some people are using existing buildings. Some people are going to throw up new ones, new Varco buildings or something. So I, I just don't know. But they're going to have to hire some people, by the way, that know what they're doing, that know how to grow stuff, at least how to grow some tomatoes under hot lamps or something. But no way it happens until 2019. Probably not. All right, moving on. A lawsuit was filed this week in Pulaski County Circuit Court saying that Issue 1 proposed by the legislature should be removed from the ballot because it unconstitutionally proposes four separate constitutional amendments to voters in one ballot measure 
and fundamentally rewrites the balance of power in the Arkansas Constitution without telling voters that's what it's doing. Right, and 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 the argument is is rock solid. Whether it's rock solid legally with the Arkansas Supreme Court is is another question entirely. You know, we have a long run of precedent in Arkansas that that ballot issues are supposed to be limited to a single topic or at least a group of related germane topics. And, you know, that at least there are two here, if not to say four. There's a limit on damage awards. There's a limit on attorney's fees. And then there are two separate proposals that, that essentially change the balance of power in Arkansas government. They shift power from the legislative, from the judicial to the legislative branch and give control of court rulemaking to the legislature. Uh, now, there is an argument that all of this is about lawsuit reform, so-called. I mean, which in a sense is true. It's all about holding down judgments against corporate bad players. But but one thing is just an absolutely fundamental shift in the balance of power in Arkansas government. Uh, the court, generally speaking, probably doesn't like it. And Dan Kemp, the Chief Justice, is on record in a speech as saying vote against issue one. So if if and when the case reaches the Supreme Court, it has to go to circuit court first. He's going to be on a bit of a horns of dilemma whether he can sit on the case. Of course, we have another Justice, Sean Womack, who is a state senator, wrote tort reform amendments just like these. I mean, he clearly is in favor of it. He's wholly biased and can be expected to return a verdict in favor of the corporate interest on this, whether he'll stay on the I suspect he'll stay on the case regardless. Uh, I, I don't know what I can predict the outcome of this case is. I, I've about decided that it, it, at least it serves as a publicity vehicle to talk about the pretty radical things this amendment does. Now, you may like it, you may not like it. I don't like it. I think it's bad to put court rules in the hands of a non-lawyer legislature that has proven itself corrupt and inept and incompetent any number of times. But uh, at least we'll have some discussion about that. So has uh, has a judge been picked to hear this? Well, case? Alice Gray drew the case and she recused because one of the lawyers in the lawsuits, David Couch, had been her attorney in a previous case. Uh, so I haven't checked this morning yet to see who's drawn the case by assignment now. Meanwhile, this this uh, issue is expected to to draw just massive amounts of of money on millions either side, of, millions of dollars. But uh, presumably, the court case wouldn't be finalized for several months. No, that'll take it'll. I mean, they'll try and speed it up because it is on the November ballot. But yeah, it'll take a couple of months, I think, and it. You know, typically the big advertising doesn't start until after Labor Day, but I think I've already seen some signs on social media that that both sides are at work on this already. Do we expect other lawsuits on some of the other uh, ballot issues? Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday who thinks there will be a lawsuit if the over the casino amendment, perhaps from the people who lost two years ago and who had looked at getting back on the ballot this year and then pulled back just sort of a sore loser kind of point of view. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. That was one prediction yesterday. I don't see how you could possibly sue over the term limits amendment. It looks pretty straightforward. And uh, the minimum wage, again, is just a direct copy of one that was voted on previously, just has a higher wage. And again, I don't know what... Now, you could attack either of those on the qualifications of the signatures, whether they met all the 
the ticky rules on gathering signatures. I just don't know if the money is out there to do that. I, I'm thinking that those probably will survive. And when should we expect the Secretary of State to finish certifying? Well, don't they have a, about a 30-day period? Uh, and then, and, But then if you fall short by disqualification, if you met the threshold on the initial submission, you get, a, I think, a 15-day period to gather more signatures. So we're still, I think we're still at least a month away. So I went to the library yesterday, and someone was still collecting signatures. For oh, the- yeah. To be, no, they're, they're still at it. They, they didn't stop because against the possibility that they'll have some disqualified, they want to keep gathering them. They're all doing that. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about a few odds and ends. <coughs> Excuse me. We've discussed this before, but City Director Irma Hendricks told you earlier this week that she and others are circulating petitions that call for an end to at-large representation on the Little Rock City Board of Directors. Yeah, it takes about 8,000 signatures, and it's uh, approved as to form by the city attorney. And uh, she has, <coughs> excuse me, the old Acorn Group, Arkansas Community Organizations, is circulating the petitions, and so they have some organizational strength, and maybe she'll get this on the ballot. It's, uh, it's only insofar as ending the three at-large seats. It would strip them from the board and leave the board with a seven-member all-ward elected board. It wouldn't change the powers of the mayor as they now exist. That would have to be a separate issue at some point. Uh, this is part and parcel, though, of, of a move toward mayor-council government, which I happen to favor, and I happen to oppose the election of at-large directors because they run citywide, they're very expensive races, and they tend to be controlled by the moneyed interest, and they tend to line up with the votes from the upper-class neighborhoods to, to form a working majority on the board that tends to silence poor neighborhoods and minority neighborhoods. So from my point of view, it's a good thing. Irma, Irma Hendricks, of course, comes from a heavily minority poor ward and thinks that they get second-class treatment most of the time, and that's why she's doing what she's doing. So it's kind of democracy at work. I, I can't – and it'll be interesting if they do make the ballot with it. I don't think they will come from a position where they'll have a strong amount of money to work for its uh, passage. But in this sort of throw-the-bums-out time, uh, who knows? They, they might be successful. There was earlier talk of some other groups getting involved with this, but apparently the money wasn't ever there to, to lead that. I, I guess there's still nobody's emerged with a serious form of government campaign. Uh, although the petitions have to be submitted 60 to 90 days. You can't submit it till 90 days before the election. And so what is that? October is the 1st of August. So we're getting... I mean, we're getting close to that time, and there's no sign that they're out there, so I'm guessing it's not going to happen. Speaking of Litterock, uh, some sort of funny news this week. Uh, you you picked up a notice that USA Today had uh, run a ranking by this website called 24-7 Wall Street of the worst cities in the United States. Litterock came in at number 19. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. And uh, that... That inspired some coverage by the Democratic Gazette, including uh, column by Wally Hall, column by John Brummett, lots of commentators, the mayor weighed in, the Litterock Convention and Bureau, Visitors Bureau. Well, it was, you know, I did something because, and I said when I, I did something very short on it, and I said I don't think much of these rankings. They're a dime a dozen. They come nearly daily into our inbox. 
But I thought, you know, being ranked as the 19th worst city in the United States by USA Today, which is one of the two or three biggest circulation newspapers in the country, is just not a good thing. I mean, no matter, and, 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 and I really thought the response was, was so typical. It, it said, well, our crime rate is not quite as bad as they say. It's actually a little bit lower. And I mean, that's kind of beside the point, you know. I mean, there's there's just that image is there. It's indelible. I sometimes think the best thing to do with these things is just ignore them. Really, I, actually, I thought the best response I saw all week was from Frank Scott, the mayoral candidate, who did a short Twitter that was more or less a lot. I wish I had it in front of me because I don't want to mischaracterize it, but it was. I like Little Rock. I like to live here. It's a good place, but we've got some problems. We need to work on them. Yeah. 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 That's about it. Yeah. That's a good response. Uh, it's funny. I looked to see what the the best city to live ranked by 24-7 Wall Street. And as it happens, a number of these uh, I mean, they're, they're all over the I place. I think Fayetteville's on that list, the yeah. good cities. I, I think, think it's number five or so. Yeah. There are a number of these, U.S. News & World Report, Wallet Hub, uh, you know, they all do them. But uh, the, frequently the best city is Carmel, Indiana, which I happen to know because <laughs> I have in-laws who live there. It's a suburb of Indianapolis that's fine. I mean, it's a decent place to live, I think. But it's it's a suburb, and it's one of those – sort of cookie-cutter communities that uh, was sort of created to look like an old city. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they have a half-price books store that I like to go to and, you know, some nice chain restaurants. Well, but it, the idea that you could compare a suburb of Indianapolis to, you know, a, a capital city in the state is ridiculous. Here is the immutable thing about any list, whether it's quality of life, education, you name it. It begins with poverty, and inevitably that's tied up with minority representation in the community because minority representation seems to be disproportionately linked with poverty. And we've always been poor here. Uh, Little Rock has a higher minority population than most of the rest of the state. And so the, the the facts that come with that, whether it be a lack of a college education, a low household income, low standardized school testing scores, high teen pregnancy rate, high STD rate, you name it. I mean, they, they just, they track poverty just like the sun coming up from the same place every day. And, and so, I mean, I I think what we do about that is we try mightily to take a holistic approach to improving the community. I mean, to encouraging stable families and encouraging health. Kids who are healthy do better in school. Providing health care is a good thing. Making sure kids don't go to school hungry is a good thing. Having great infrastructure, having accessibility to wireless internet, all of these things. And, and, and I do think we don't unfairly suffer because we don't try real hard on some of those things sometimes. I mean, we collectively as a state, I mean, we're in control of a Republican legislature now that kind of thinks, hey, I made it, why can't you? Well, you know, I mean, they're easy to say, hard to do. Let's talk a little bit more about the Republican legislature. This was uh, 
a week of guns. I mean, what week is it? But the, <laughs> they all are, aren't they? Yeah. Well, they had a, a joint performance review committee uh, hearing to review the recommendations of the school safety task force, and and it was boy, what a what a goat roping this was. They brought in three bogus experts who spent four hours talking about the wonders of guns and wouldn't let any of the moms demand gun sense people who'd sat there patiently for four hours talk. And Trent Garner, the senator from Camden, who's a total gun nut, said, these aren't my people. I don't care if I don't hear from them. I mean, this belief that more guns make you safer against every indicator that more guns, if nothing else, lead to more accidents and more suicides. I mean, nobody can dispute that. And putting guns in the hands of, and, and, and pretty clearly the gun nuts who testified were not there to talk about putting in police school resource officers. They said that's too expensive because they don't want to raise taxes to pay for that. I mean, putting a real paid police officer in every school would be monumentally expensive. No, they really want these volunteer staff members to step up. And they say it's good to have them carrying concealed weapons so nobody will know who's got them. You know, and, and we, we know of people who go to the bathroom, take the pistol out, and leave it on the sink. Anyway, I, I, I think there are other approaches to be taken, but the Arkansas legislature <clears throat> doesn't seem interested in them. You saw Charlie Collins. Somebody asked him <laughs> uh, why his kid couldn't bring his gun to school, and Charlie Collins said, federal law, call your congressman. Call your congressman, yeah, presumably, I guess, to, so Charlie is... I mean, I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Is he I serious? Do I don't think just, so. Do we ought to let kids take guns to school? Guns everywhere. I guess we'd really be safe then, wouldn't we? Finally, the highway department uh, announced yesterday in a public hearing that it plans to tear up more of downtown to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, how about that? It's going to even be wider, the big concrete gulch through Little Rock. I, what's Yeah, I mean, that and they'll have to make some... As the opponents have said all along, if you do this, it's going to create other problems elsewhere. The side streets are going to have a lot of traffic moving, and you're going to have to accommodate them. So, yeah, we'll have to widen 4th Street and 2nd and and Street. And Street and who knows what else. Uh, I do notice that, uh, that at one of the hearings they had that Richard Mays, who's an environmental lawyer, indicated uh, to the Democrat Gazette that He's working with some people who aren't happy about the plan, and they're waiting for the final environmental assessment to see if it has shortcomings, and then they'll evaluate whether there's a lawsuit possible to, to challenge whether they have have adequately addressed the environmental impact. I noticed Tom Fennell, uh, an architect who's been a real leader and an alternative means of transportation downtown, was quoted in the paper today as talking about the number of things that they did not consider. I mean, they're talking about damming parts of Fush Creek and redirecting water and making comments like, well, downtown's nasty anyway, so it doesn't matter if we screw it up some more already. This is why there's a huge resurgence underway in the East Village area, just to name one, and also at Hangar Hill. So I I, I don't think it, it, it necessarily follows that that this, this this will pass without controversy. I I think probably you can predict there will be a lawsuit uh, about the the project, which will at least slow it down some. And in the meanwhile, there's there's a, a great deal of unhappiness about the highway department's plans to begin work next week on widening I six thirty, the Mills Freeway between Baptist Medical Center and University Avenue from from six to eight lanes. 
it's a huge, giant project. They say it's routine and doesn't need an environmental assessment. It hadn't had one. It should have one. And, of course, once they build that, then they'll say they have to widen it from University Avenue to I-30 downtown, which is, in fact, what the 30 Crossing Project envisions. It'll induce new demand on the connecting freeways and more traffic and need more construction. And at some point, you just can't build yourself out of these things. California has stopped building freeways because they finally realized you don't ever solve this problem, that you have to approach it in a different way. Uh, in my lifetime, the notion that the Arkansas Highway Department will come to its senses is is probably a vain hope, but, but I'm glad that at least some people are shouting at them. All right, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? No, I'm I, well. I've started this uh, HBO thing on this kind of modern model after the Murdoch family succession, this big media thing, and it's kind of cheesy, but it's but it's it's worth watching. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's good. And then I'm watching something on Acorn TV out of England about a woman lawyer whose husband law partner goes missing, and they don't know what happened to him, and it's kind of weird. But I'm not deep enough into it to know where it's going to lead. Okay, well, let us know. Yeah. Uh, before I get to my endorsement, I want to encourage folks to go to Central Arkansas Tickets and get their ticket for Best of Arkansas 2018 Hollywood Nights. It's their turn of the Arkansas Times Best of Arkansas party. We haven't done it in, I don't know, 15 years or something. Uh, this one is themed, as you might guess. So folks are either going to be dressed up in kind of formal attire or in costume. And there's going to be all kinds of themed drinks and food and um, it's at the Albert Pike Masonic Center, which, let me tell you, is a great cool place building. for a party. From 6 to 9, Thursday, July 26th, go to Central Arkansas Tickets to get yours now. Uh, my endorsement is this book that I read recently by Richard Powers. It's called Overstory, and it's the best book that I've read uh, in years. I just really loved it. It's uh, about nine or so characters and starts off in kind of short story form introducing you to all the characters and eventually they kind of all weave together or many of them do at least but really the main character are, are trees huh. um and powers is he was won, won the national book award several years ago is is um you know well regarded but he's especially known for writing about science topics and uh, you know, I haven't done extensive tree research, but he seems to really know his stuff. And so I just learned a tremendous amount about trees and, you know, how they communicate with each other and how complex forests are and, you know, how 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 we're decimating our forests all over the world. And it didn't come off as a screed at all. I mean, it's really more of kind of a love note to forests and trees and uh, it was and the writing's just beautiful so i'd encourage everyone to check that out overstory by richard okay Powers. thanks for listening subscribe via itunes and check out our other podcasts we got rock the culture talking about entertainment um uh no rock the culture talking about uh, literac um and the black experience no small talk talking about entertainment uh, the conversation with Matt Price, the interview show. He's got an interview with Baker Curris that I think we just put up today, so check that out. Um, and and Out in Arkansas, a new podcast about LGBTQ issues in Arkansas. We got them all. Check them out. Subscribe. We'll be back next week. See ya.